0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. That is some good news right there, and we're going to celebrate. We're going to continue to celebrate the uh, chain breaker. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Alan, and we are uh, actually just getting started with this journal that Jan had talked about. Hopefully, you've had a chance to pick up your Realize Your Role journal. The theme for this fall, the theme for these 18 weeks is Wisdom. If you have a journal, you can see on the bottom left of the front cover, it says they're part orange, wisdom. Wisdom is something that we all want. It's something that we have in common, that we all have a desire for this, regardless of your background, spiritual background, understanding, or whatever. We all want wisdom. We want to we make good decisions in life as we understand what a good decision is. And so over these next three weeks, as part of this wisdom journey, We're going to do a series called Think, because the reality is that most of our troubles, most of the pits that we find ourselves in, they are the result of us either acting or speaking without thinking. They are so often the result of us either responding quickly or responding uh, emotionally and not just stopping and thinking. And so the, the, we're going to talk about the, the, the value, the importance of just stop, think, think. We're going to take a look at a verse in Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite uh, verses, one of my favorite chapters, Romans chapter 12. And if you are looking for a verse to memorize, we are, uh, I highly recommend this verse. We're going to take a look at this throughout the next three weeks, kind of look at pieces of it. And so uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse Two, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This morning, we are just going to focus on the first part of this verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. You ever find yourself making the same mistakes over and over again? You ever find yourself having conversations, conflicts, arguments with the people you care about the most, whether it's your parents or your spouse or your best friend or your kids, and when there's conflict, you find yourself going, why are we talking about the same thing again? And it just feels like we just just had this conversation. You ever had that experience? You ever had a temptation that for you is, is a recurring issue and it's, just, it's the same temptation over and over again and maybe you've identified it and then you have prayed about it and you have sought counsel and you have received counsel. Maybe you have actually gone through counseling as a part of that journey and you have confessed it and talked about it with a group of people and you have experienced uh, freedom from that particular issue in your life, and you have celebrated that, and you've given God the glory for that, and you've told people about it, and you've testified, like to say in that song, you've testified you're free from that issue, and then you find months later or years later doing the same exact thing. How is that possible? How could we rational? Thinking, intelligent people do something like that. When we know the consequences, we know what happened when we did that before, and yet we find ourselves doing it again, having the same arguments, the same issues. If you can relate to any of that, let me just tell you, you're not alone. You are not alone. And so as we go into this three-week series, we're going to see how we can find a way out of that pit, out of that, those ruts in life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that he provides a, a way out of this, that, there is a, that he is a chain breaker, God, for, these, for whatever these recurring uh, issues might be in our lives that there's a promise that we can experience freedom from that. And so, God, I pray that you'd give us a glimpse of that today, that you would give us freedom. God, that you would help us to to stay focused here for these uh, few moments here because we want to hear from you. I know there's a lot going on. There's a lot bouncing around in our heads. God, would you just help us to just be with you here in this place this morning, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Yesterday, my wife and I did something very odd, my wife and I experienced something we've never experienced before. We drove our firstborn son to ASU <laughs> and dropped him off at his dorm. And it was a very weird experience. It didn't hit me till later on at night when I was just, I was actually working on the message. and I was just kind of thinking, he's not coming home. He's not gonna come home and tell me what, what he was doing that night. He's, he doesn't live here anymore. How did that happen? How did that, how did that happen? I mean, we, we just brought him home from the hospital. He was seven pounds and he was super fragile and we were afraid we were gonna break him. You know, pass him hold his head, hold, support his head, support his head, support his head. And then we hosted a few birthdays and then boom, he's off at college. How does that happen? And I know when, when they were young, I heard the same thing that every one of you who's had children has heard from people when they, and they, they watch us when our kids were little and they said, enjoy it, enjoy it, because it goes by what? So fast. People said that to us. They've said that to you. Of course they've said that to you. And then we feel guilty when we're taking care of multiple kids and they're really little because we're thinking, because we got, you know, vomit poured all over our shirts and we're, we're dealing with yelling kids running in the street and we're just thinking, yeah, I hear your words, but right now I just want this day to go by real fast. I want this moment to go by real fast. And then poof, they're off in college and then... When we encounter a young family with young children, and we find the words coming out of our mouth that we never thought would ever come out of our mouth, and we say, enjoy it. Because it goes by so fast. And they have the same thoughts about us. Da, 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 da. There are patterns in life. There are patterns that we can see generation after generation after generation generation. There are patterns that humanity has experienced since the beginning of time. God said to Adam and Eve, you can enjoy anything from the garden, eat any, from any of the trees and enjoy the animals, enjoy all of this. Just not, You cannot take the fruit from that tree. And so Adam and Eve say, awesome, God, this is great. We have so much to enjoy. But I can't get my mind off of that fruit from that tree. And now, That's all I want. There are patterns. There are patterns that maybe we think we can break free from or we're different from or we're unique from, but they're patterns. Have you ever woken up the morning after a night where you drank too much and thought, man, I got a lot done last night. I just really made some good decisions and helped a lot of people. Have you ever experienced that? No, because there's a pattern that when we do certain things, there's a pattern we cannot break that just flows out of this. There are patterns in life, and we are trained to see those patterns. We understand that wisdom, part of wisdom, is is identifying those patterns in life. This is part of our educational process. If you've taken an IQ test or one of those SATs or whatever so that you can get in college, boom, or whatever, you may remember these kinds of questions. Here's an example. Here's three. Here's a pattern on the top. Boom, 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 boom. What would be the fourth pattern from the bottom uh, four there? Take a look at them. Which do you think, A, B, C, or D? All right, how many of you think that it's A would be the next one on that list? Okay, how many of you think it would be B, C, or D? Okay, there's just a little hint that it's not them. Okay, that's just, just kind of helping you out there. The answer is A on that. It's just rotated, it's rotated one. Okay, here's another one of these tests. All right, which is the pattern... <laughs> Which would be the fourth one on here? Take a look. See if you can figure it out. So, sometimes when we take these tests, it feels like this. It feels like, I can't see any pattern there. It's ridiculous. Sometimes in life, we're stumbling through the same things, and we think, I can't, I can't see a pattern. I can't see what's going on. I'm, 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 I'm functioning too fast. I'm acting too quickly. I'm not thinking, pausing for a little bit. Okay, let's, let's lose that, because I'm, I'm losing some of you here. I'm, Some of you, you can't concentrate anymore. Just kind of set that aside. There are patterns in life. We're trained to see those patterns. Wise people, people who live with wisdom, who are thriving, who are excelling in life, are people who see the patterns. That wisdom is so much connected to our ability to see The patterns of life and respond accordingly. I'm not very good at chess, the game of chess. I know how to play chess, I know how all of the different pieces move. I can describe to you, you know, they can do this, they can do that, but I'm not very good at chess. The only way I'm gonna win at chess is I'm gonna chip away at your pieces one at a time randomly. Oh, I can get that one. I can get that one. And then in the end, I'm going to corner your king and I'll, and I'll beat you. I'll take you. It might take me 45 minutes, but I can beat you in a game of chess. I'm not very good because I can only see about one or two moves ahead. Chess masters, they say, can see 10 moves ahead. All the permutations of 10 different moves ahead which is an an extraordinary ability. That chess masters, and some of you are great at chess, the the opponent moves this and they just see on the chessboard the pattern. They see the movements and say, I'm going to use the Kardashian move and then come over here and then going to take this over here. I'm not sure there is a Kardashian chess move, but, but you get what I'm saying. Chess masters see the pattern and they respond accordingly. It's the same thing with music, that anyone who's learning music, they're learning this new skill, and anyone who's learning has to start with one note at a time. da- da 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 da- da da da. right, And so someone learning, whatever the instrument is, you just kind of take your time and you're putting that together but then you got a guy like Greg Sorensen on the piano. This guy is unbelievable. He can hear a song that he's never heard before, listen to a verse and a chorus, and he sees the pattern of the song. He he sees in his mind the chord structure, and he'll just listen to it once and go, and just play through the whole thing with all these difficult chords in the whole thing because he sees the pattern. There are patterns in this world, and wisdom is the ability to see those patterns. Less than 20 years ago, less than 20 years ago, the whole idea of, of mass shootings from, from, from a, 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 a lone gunman was, was extremely rare. It was just unheard of. We didn't talk about it. It would happen, and it was an absolute tragedy, and we would respond, and all, but it wasn't a pattern. Two weeks ago... There's one in El Paso and then one in Dayton within 24 hours of, of each other. And they're just, there's an increase every year in this activity. This, this thing that 20 years ago was not a pattern is now absolutely a pattern. And wisdom means we learn about that and we, we respond to it. We don't ignore it. We don't pretend there isn't a pattern. We see there is a pattern that is developing here. And so what are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond to it? As I said, I want to take a look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, throughout the series, and we'll kind of chip away at that incredible verse. And we're focusing on this phrase, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But I also, each week of these these three weeks, I want to look at another section of Scripture to kind of help paint a, you know, shed light on, on that phrase. And so this morning I want to go into the Old Testament into the book of 1 Chronicles. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And it is part of the story of King David in the Old Testament. This story takes place near the end of his reign as king, uh, near the end of his life, because it's after he dies, that he passes the kingship on to his son Solomon. So this takes place near the end of David's story. This is after Goliath and after all of the you know, famous stories that we've heard of from King David. What I want to do is, is just do an overall, paint an overall picture of the story in First Chronicles chapter 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Just kind of the, 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 the general story. And then I want to come back and just drop in on a few moments more specifically in this story. So, 1 Chronicles chapter 21, again, near the end of David's life, what's happening is he decides he wants to take a, a census near the end of his life to find out how large his army is. In the words of Kenny Rogers, he wants to count his money while he's sitting at the table. Anybody? Okay. So, so he, he, and you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that when you're gambling, when you're, at the, when you're at the gambling table. And David was not supposed to do this. Joab is his commander of his army. And Joab tells him very clearly, David, this is a terrible idea. Don't do it. We have no enemies right now. There's no opposition. There's no reason to do this. This is, a, this is an unwise move. Joab speaks to David very clearly. And David said, nope, I'm going to do it anyway. And God is not pleased with King David because he sees that King David is is starting to shift from all of his trust and focus on the power of God to his trust and focus on himself and his vast army that he has assembled. So God sees that David David right now in this moment with this decision, he's making an unwise decision because he's leaning on his own strength not on the strength of the God that got him where he is. And so as a result of David's poor decisions, there is a plague that comes on Israel, and thousands of people are killed. What I want to do is I want to take a look at this story and identify three pieces of evidence of the lack of wisdom in David here in this story. Three pieces of evidence of the lack of 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 David thinking in this story. The lack of wisdom. First first, first is this. He listens to the lies. Verse one of the story. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. He believed the lies. It says the very first word there in that verse is Satan. There are three characters in the overall story. As we walk through this journal and in the upcoming journals, we're going to continue to remind you of of the grand picture of Scripture. It helps us understand the small stories when we understand what the grand picture is. And the grand overall story of Scripture, the grand overall story of humanity, involves three main characters. There's God in three persons father, the son, the Holy Spirit. He is the protagonist. He is the main character in the story. He's the hero in the story. And then the second character is us. We are the love of God's life. One could say that the whole story is a love story. And then the third character in the story is Satan. It's the antagonist, the adversary, the one who wants to get in the way of this love story. And the Satan character is not just there as a serpent in, in, in the book of Genesis. He's there throughout the whole story. And he continues to be present as a part of, of, of our, the battle for us having a restored relationship with God. And so here in this story, David listens to the whispers of the enemy. And he acts on them. And he, and he starts to believe that he wants to have this census taken. Second thing that he does, you find in verse 3, he ignores the advice of others. He ignores the advice of others. But Joab, who was his command, the commander of his armies, replied, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Joab clearly understood, David, you don't need to do this. And David ignored Joab's advice. And a third evidence of a lack of wisdom on David's part is really a consequence of his decisions, is that his decisions hurt others. It says in verse 14, so the Lord sent a plague on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell dead. 70,000 sons, husbands, fathers fell dead. This was the result of David's decision that he significantly hurt others, that he 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 wanted to flex his muscle. He became prideful at this stage of of his role as king. And he wanted to show the world, show himself, show his family, show whomever, just how grand his army was. And as a result, it had terrible consequences on 70,000 men and their families. Those are three pieces of evidence of a lack of wisdom on David's part here in the story. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. The story continues in chapter 21. An angel comes to David and says, the way to stop this plague that has killed 70,000 men, the way to stop it, David, is for you to go to a certain farmer buy his land. So imagine this platform is his land. Go to a certain farmer buy his land, and on that land... Build an altar to the Lord. So David does that. In that story, the farmer says, Oh, King David, you can have it for free. And David said, No, it has to cost me something. I will pay full price for that piece of land. And he does. And he, 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 he ends up owning the land and he builds the altar, and the plague stops. But that piece of land that David purchased in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 is an extraordinary piece of land. It was on that same piece of land that David decided a house was to be built for the Lord. God's house, which had never been built before. David had decided uh, that that a house, that the temple of God would be built there. It wasn't built in his lifetime, but he started to set up the preparation so that his son Solomon could build the mighty temple of the Lord on that very piece of land. 500 years later, still part of the Old Testament story, the Babylonians came in and wiped out the people from Jerusalem, wiped out the Israelites, and the Babylonians destroyed this beautiful, mighty temple on that piece of land. And then centuries later, King Herod, made famous by the Christmas story in in the New Testament, that very same King Herod, he decided to rebuild the temple. He built a temple. It wasn't as majestic and beautiful as the original temple, but it was pretty impressive. He rebuilt the temple, not because he loves God so much, but because he loves to build things. Herod built tons of different things. He was made famous for that. So he, re- he rebuilt the, the, the temple on that piece of land, and then not long after that, in 70 A.D., the Romans destroyed that temple once again. And so it's a, just a flat piece of ground. This was at the time, uh, 70 AD, so, so Rome was in a, a major change over, the, over those uh, few hundred years and the fall of Rome and how that all impacted that part of the world and Jerusalem, etc. All on that same piece of land. But then things got really Interesting. On that same piece of land there in Jerusalem, as there's a lot of uncertainty and trying to figure out who Rome was and who the Jewish people were in that part of the area, that same piece of land with the second temple destroyed, the people living in Jerusalem just used it as a dump site. So it became the place where they just piled garbage, just continued to pile garbage on it for centuries on that same piece of land. And then in the 7th century, Muslims came in and took over Jerusalem They cleared out that same piece of land because they were very aware of the history of that piece of land. And they built on that piece of land the Dome of the Rock, a building that we refer to as the Dome of the Rock. And on that piece of land today is that structure that Muslims built in the 7th century on that same piece of land. And then a few hundred years after that, the The Crusades happened where the Christians came in and said, we want Jerusalem. We want to claim Jerusalem. That is the the place where the story of Jesus took place. And so so that's our city. We want to come take it. So they took over Jerusalem, and they went to the dome. And at the very top, it had the crescent moon, the Muslim crescent moon on the top of that. And as part of the Crusades, when they took it over, they ripped off that that crescent moon, and they put a gold cross on the top of that dome. And so then it was owned by the Christians for A while. Then, in the 12th century, Muslims came back and said, "No, we want it back." So, all these battles over that same piece of land, and now it is the it 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 is Muslims who have ownership and control over that building that's on that piece of land. This is in. Old Jerusalem, in the original city of Jerusalem, that rectangle is the original piece of dirt upon which the original temple was built that David bought here as part of this story in First Chronicles chapter 21, 3,000 years ago. It's the same piece of land. It's the same old dirt. What I want to do is I want to take a look once again at the lack of wisdom from David here in this story in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and see that that it's some of the same stuff that we experience because there are patterns in this world, that it's just like this piece of land upon which the Dome of the Rock is built, this piece of land that people have been fighting for for 3,000 years. It's the same old dirt. So it's not just David who believed the lies. We believe the lies. We continue to believe the whispers of the enemy. In that verse, it says that that Satan incited David, and the word incited means provoked and so we, you may have the images from cartoons of people trying to make a decision and there's a little demon on one shoulder and a little angel on the other shoulder and they're arguing and, and that's funny, and, but it's really not that far from the truth in terms of, of how life is. That, that, that those of us who've been a believer for a while, we understand the reality of the whispers of Satan, That there are moments in life when we know better, but but we're not thinking well. We're not thinking properly. And we hear this whisper somewhere in our head that says, go ahead. You can get away with it. No one will know. No one will find out. Or we may hear this whisper in our head that says, no one's going to give it to you. So you need to just take it. No one's going to see what you're doing. No one's going to acknowledge it. You you need to just take it because you deserve it. Take it. Or a whisper in our head that says, You think you can accomplish that? You don't have what it takes. You you think you can succeed with that? With all that you've done in your past? You think God's going to use you in that way? (sighs) Not a chance. The enemy keeps whispering lies. And instead of us remembering the promises of God and the hope and the future that God has for us, we end up listening to the lies and believing them and acting on them. The same kinds of lies that David listened to 3,000 years ago. It's the same old dirt. We... Don't listen to advice. We continue to ignore advice. It is a pattern in this world for us to make mistakes, and then after our mistakes, we learn and we we can think differently about that situation. We get experience and knowledge, and that turns into wisdom. And we want to pass that wisdom off to other people, to younger people, to people who, who are experiencing what we used to experience. We want to pass that on. But they are just like us and they don't want to hear it and say they're they're not interested in our wisdom. And it's a pattern that goes around and around again. And you might respond to that and say, well, that's just a part of life. Everyone has to figure this stuff on their own. But what if failing to to take that advice and listen to that wisdom leads to hurt people? What if that leads to broken relationships, a a broken marriage that could have been avoided if, if people could have just listened to the advice of those who've gone before? We think that our situation is unique and special and no one has ever experienced this before. But it's not true. It's the same stuff that it has been for 3,000 years. It's the same old dirt. And, and, And we have the same pattern in terms of hurting others. We hurt others. It is an ongoing pattern of life that our decisions don't only just affect us, they affect those that we care about the most, always. If you're familiar with the 12 steps, step eight says that we are to make a list of people that we have hurt, offended because of our decisions, because of our actions. Then step number nine says make amends with the people on that list as much as possible. Make a list, make amends. Steps number eight and nine of the 12-step program are not just for those people who struggle with that issue. It's for all of us. It's just just a pattern of life. In fact, the 12-step program is a pattern that a group of people identified, this is the way it works. This is how to get freedom from this. This is how God can, can, can bring freedom into that kind of brokenness. It's a pattern in and of itself but it's a pattern that all of us can relate to. There are things that just happen over and over again, and the wise people see those patterns and act on it. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So this morning, I'm I'm wrapping up here. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to change anything. I'm just asking you today to think about the patterns in your life. To think about what kinds of things tend to lead you down a path that you don't want to go. To think about it, it, what happens when you meet with that person or that group of people. What happens when you set yourself up to be alone within, under those kind of circumstances? What happens when you find yourself uh, isolating over a period of time? What happens when you're with those people? What happens when you do those things, when you start to think those things, when you start to feel that way? What happens as a pattern in your life when you start to have those experiences? What flows out of that? What are the patterns in your life? Maybe they're 3,000-year-old patterns, the same thing that people have been experiencing for hundreds and hundreds of years. Or maybe it is a unique pattern for you. It's something you don't see other people struggling with, it, but it is a pattern in your life that when A and B happen, C is right around the corner. Wise people see the patterns in life and do something about it. Wise people understand it's the same old dirt. God is never surprised by by the pits that we fall in. God never, you know, sees our situation or hears our confession and says, wow, I've never seen that before. This is, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to help that situation. God has seen all of it. He's seen all the kind of brokenness that we can experience, and he's helped people out of all of those pits. None of it is a surprise to God. Where we think well and experience wisdom is when we see those patterns, we invite the Holy Spirit to help us understand what those patterns are, and then we act on it with wisdom. Over the next couple weeks, we're gonna then see, okay, once we see the patterns, then what do we do with it? We're gonna walk that out over the next couple weeks. As we close here today, would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you that for thousands of years you have watched us trip over the same things over and over and over and over and over again, and you continue to offer grace and love and hope. And I pray that that is poured over this room here today. That as we identify these patterns, as we are bold enough to say this is a pattern in my life, as we are bold enough to to tell someone about that, God, that you would not bring condemnation, but that you would bring freedom. I thank you that your son really is a chain breaker who wants to break us free from this stuff. God, would you help us to see things this week that perhaps we've never seen before, to see patterns that you see that we have not yet seen, God? Would you lead us and guide us towards that? We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. As always, we have a group of, uh, from our prayer team who would love to pray with you about anything if you'd like to come forward at the front here. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next time.